0: Hi everyone um, welcome to Alex Wine Talks. It's Alex here and I'm really really happy today because I've got an episode that I think is going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be really funny and also quite engaging. I can't wait to talk to you about travel horror stories um, if you know a little bit about me, you know that I love traveling and I'm all for it and I'm all for promoting it. However, um, when you travel uh, a bit, you do end up... Um, Creating quite a base of uh, things that went wrong. And today I'm here with you to share um, a couple of stories from my life and from uh, some of my friends' lives, my family lives. And I will uh, be dividing those stories into different categories just so that everything makes a bit more sense. And you know, the purpose of this is obviously one to have some fun, to laugh at something. To to warn you and um, to kind of, you know, looking back at those stories, I'm already thinking of the things that I could have done differently. And I think we can all do that. We can all sort of apply these um, new rules and adjustments to our uh, trips in the future. So obviously, there is the purpose of education somewhere um, in my mind. Just before we start, I want to ask you to give me one minute to explain the premise of this podcast. So, um, as I already said, my name is Alex, and in every episode I'll be having a glass of wine. Uh, Actually, today I bended the rule a little bit, but I'll talk about that in a second. And the reason behind it is, number one, I love wine, as I'm sure all of my friends are familiar, and uh, I'm always looking for an excuse to drink wine. Obviously, you're more than welcome to join me, you know, have a glass of wine, relax, um, listen to some funny stories. And number two, I think generally the idea of having a glass of wine is um, promotes that kind of notion of authenticity and of honesty and of having a, a relaxed conversation. Um, I want this podcast to feel like a conversation with a friend um, in a sort of um, natural manner um, rather than a scripted production. So, you know, in no way I'm promoting excessive alcohol consumption, but I just want this to be more relaxed um yeah so that's it that's the premise I'll be here talking about um living abroad about traveling about food um working in fashion luxury um and I will be ma- I will be doing an episode every week so um watch out for that just a quick alcohol interlude, as I'm going to call it from now on. Uh, as I said already, I am cheating a little bit today, and instead of wine, I'm having champagne. However, I do think that the first episode of my podcast calls for um, some sort of celebration. The one I'm having is um, from the House of Lanson, uh, quite a big name, but maybe sometimes a little bit underrated. Uh, it's just your—it's your classic, lovely, dry champagne uh, with some fruity flavors. And uh, what I really like about this one is that it's got a lot of bubbles, so drinking it just feels extremely festive. Now that we're done with the alcohol part, we can actually get into the content. Right, so now that I'm done doing all the introductions, we can get into the episode. And I'll start off with the classic travel stories, um, which concern documents. Um, now. This has never actually happened to me because I am extremely paranoid about losing my documents. I'm always checking everything a million times. And thankfully, so far, I haven't lost my documents or I haven't forgotten them. But um, the the characters in my stories (laughs) have done that. So I'll start off with a story that actually concerns my family. And it is from a couple of years ago. We were going on a a family holiday. It was my mum, my dad, and my brother, who is um, 10 years younger than me. So at the time, I think he was five or six. So he was relatively small. And I don't know if you have smaller siblings or or maybe a cousin or something. And you know that when you're traveling with a five-year-old, it's a whole project. It's, you know, you start packing two or three weeks ago. You have to make sure that the hotel's right um you book everything in advance you have a lot of stuff that you're taking it's really really a big big um organizational (laughs) scheme and um we did all that you know we did an amazing job we packed we booked everything we had the hotel booked we had the car rented we knew where, where we were going um and um we go to the airport on the day we've got everything we're, we're ready to go and we come um, to the counter to the um, sort of check-in and the, the guy is checking the passports everything is going according to plan and suddenly he looks at us and he goes to my mom sorry madam but um, have you noticed that your son's passport has expired a month ago and we couldn't believe it we look down we read the date and it's true the passport had expired. And because my brother was a kid, he didn't have an ID. And so we could not go. We had to stay. Everything um, that was paid for, you know, we didn't get any refunds. It was, I think, a big, big disaster. One of the biggest ones, I would say, in terms of our family travels. But telling that now, it's quite an entertaining story. And the second story that I've got in this um, subject is also concerning my brother and my father. And this time it was a really, really big show from the both of them. Um, They were traveling together, I think it was to Malta. And uh, well, I think they were actually getting to the airport quite ahead of time was good. And on the way to the airport uh, in the taxi, my dad had realized that he had forgotten his um, ID. So they went back. um, The taxi driver broke a lot of laws, but my dad managed to get his ID. I think it's about a half an hour, 20 minute ride from the airport to his apartment. And then they came back to the airport. And as they came out to the counter, maybe it was the same one, and they realized that they didn't have my brother's passport. So I really don't know how they were preparing for this trip. Either way, they're already kind of close to the, uh, to the departure. But they still decided to take the taxi and attempt at getting back with my brother's passport. And they did actually manage because they were extremely lucky and the plane was delayed. So, um, you know... They were lucky, that's all I'm gonna say. But um, hearing those stories, it just makes me be even more conscious of whether I had taken my documents with me. And actually I have some stories about um, losing documents as well, but I think I will save them for um, part two of this episode that is going to come soon because I've got so many travel horror stories and they're all really worth mentioning. But I don't want to make this episode um, five hours long, so I will divide it up. So stay tuned for um, the rest of the stories. So for this category, I have my I have a lot of my own stories, actually. I It took me a bit of time to uh, sort of edit the stories that I want to share, and maybe some that I will tell in the future. And the first one, I will say, is very recent, and it's just a classic transportation mishap. But it's also a lot of things uh, happening at the same time. And this is a story from Um, Two weeks ago, actually, I was in France, um, in the south of France, visiting a friend. And for Saturday, the 14th of March, I had planned a comeback trip from, um, it was a flight from Marseille to Paris, and then from Paris to Orsse. And um, for those who don't know, my birthday is on the 12th of March. And a day before my birthday, my mother calls me. She's all freaked out and she says, Alexandra, the coronavirus situation is getting out of hand. I'm really scared that they're gonna close the borders. On a side note, they did close the borders, but it was on Saturday, Sunday. So it was a bit later than she thought. And she, you know, she calls me nearly crying and she says, you have to come back. Like, I don't care what you're gonna do, how you're gonna do it, but you have to come back. You know, I take my mum very seriously. So um, I immediately went on some websites. I searched for the tickets and I bought a really overpriced ticket. Ridiculous price, um, for a date that was there to, to sort of at my convenience, that the closest date my convenience, so 12 of March, the birthday day after, um, so you know I was again I was supposed to come back, uh, through Marseille to Paris and Paris also, uh, yeah. So I did that and I started packing. Uh, I was just coming back a couple of days earlier and I was like you know what it's fine I'll have some champagne at the airport i or maybe I'll buy some sweets. You can spend a nice birthday while traveling but I was wrong. <laughs> so in the morning I wake up um, me and my friend, we go to um, the bus station. Actually, this was already a bit of a stressful situation because I had, I thought that the bus was going from a different station, but actually it wasn't. So we had to change our uh, destination, and you know it was a bit of a mess. But that's just normal when you're traveling. So there we are waiting. We went there an hour early because I'm paranoid. I like to be everywhere um, way earlier. Tell me if you're the same or maybe not. And we're there, I feel prepared, I'm packed, I've got everything. I've got my iPad, my books, my headphones, you know, I'm ready for the holiday day travel. We're having our last coffee, and suddenly I get a message saying, mm, obviously, this is all in French, um, which just adds taste to it. Um, Sorry, um, the bus is going to be 30 minutes late, you know, excuse us for a delay, blah, blah, blah. and. I I was already kind of, this bus was um, giving me an hour and a half to board, which for some people is a lot of time. For me, it's not. I like to be at the airport at least two hours earlier, but because there weren't really bus times, I had to settle. So me, I'm already thinking, right, half an hour, I mean, I can still make it in an hour, it's a small airport, but it's going to be more stressful than I had thought. So I told my friend, and he's like, I just really hope that they don't cancel the bus because that's what they tend to do. I don't know if you've ever been to France, but there is a lot of what's called la grève and it's a strike. They do that a lot. They just, one day, um, you know, they decide not to run trains or buses or whatever. A lot, a lot it happens. I actually have quite a lot of stories um, related to that myself, but maybe I'll show them if Maybe not. We'll see. Right. So there I am waiting half an hour. I'm already stressed. I can feel the coffee and we're waiting at the bus stop and I see the bus coming and I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm like, yes, finally, now I'm going to make it. I'll be there. Everything Everything's going to be according to plan. So um, the bus uh, parks, everyone gets out of it and the driver gets out of it as well. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? So we ask him, "Um, sorry, sir, like, is this this the bus that goes to Marseille? And he goes, oh, yeah, but um, I have to have my mandatory 45-minute break now. According to the law, they have to have a break after a certain amount of hours. So we're going to be 75 minutes late. And at the same time, as he was saying it, I got an email as well. Oh, sorry the bus is going to be 75 minutes late and I'm freaking out you know I'm counting and I'm like there's no way I'm going to make it to the plane with 75 minutes late no way possible so I'm freaking out I'm nearly crying and um, my friend goes do you know what do you know what you could do you could go straight to Paris with a um, train a TGV like one of the really fast ones and you can catch your second flight And I'm thinking, do you know what, this is not a bad idea, however, if you have ever tried to do that, there is this whole rule in, um, I don't know, it's part of the uh, airplanes laws, something. I'm not exactly sure but if you um, have two planes booked and you haven't boarded the first one that you can't get on the second one it's the same thing if you're you've got a, a go and return you can't if you haven't gone there you can't return even if you had gotten there with a different plane right so I hope I hope you get what I mean. So I'm calling Air uh, France, um, again, crying, shaking, and I'm explaining my situation. I'm trying to uh, get them to agree to just let me on the second plane without me boarding the first one. The guy goes, I'm really sorry, Miss, but that's not possible. Um, it's our law, we can't do that. And I'm still crying, I'm crying. I even brought up the birthday argument, which was the absolute, just, just ugh, downhill. And he goes, right, I'll see what I can do. And he puts me on hold. He puts me on hold for 10 minutes. For those 10 minutes, I'm just, I'm so nervous. And then he calls me back saying, right, madam, or miss, or whatever it was, um, we can do that for you. I'll issue you a new ticket and uh, you'll be able to get on the Paris flight. Are you sure you'll be able to get on the Paris flight? And I was like, do you know what? Today, I'm not sure of anything, but just please do it for me. So he did it. He issued me a new ticket. And um, I uh, I, I was like, fine, I'll take the, I bought the train ticket. And uh, actually, my friend uh, lives near the train station. So it was super easy. We went back to his apartment. We had some lunch, you know, I was waiting for my train. And then it was a tejuva, so you need to be there half an hour before the train to board it. And I was like, I was really chill because I knew my friend lives right by the new train, by near right near the train station, so it was super easy. I uh, I waited, and then as we are about to walk out to um, take the train. I suddenly feel like something is not right. So I look at my train tickets, I look again and I say, um, listen, there is something off. Um, this is not um, Garçon sans roc, I think. So the one that's near my friend's place, this is um, Uh, I don't remember the name, Garde-Sud something like that. And my friend goes, oh, but that's a different train station. So this train station that I was actually supposed to be at was um, a couple of kilometers away. Um, But the problem is... um, I was, you know, I was half an hour away from my train, uh, that I needed to get to be in Paris for my second flight. And also, um, the city I was in Montpellier, it is a city where um, car, car traffic is prohibited in the centre. And we were in the centre, so we couldn't even order an Uber. So my friend tells me, order an Uber, and I say, I can't, I can't, because there is no traffic. And he goes, right, order it for there, you know, outside of the the city centre a little bit, and we're going to take the tram, get on the Uber. So I order the Uber, it's already waiting, we have to call the guy, say we're coming, I'm sorry, we're on the tram, you know, there's a whole sort of thing. Again, I'm nearly crying, I have to admit, that day I was crying for half the time, (laughs) everything. The guy was really lovely. Bless you. Thank you for the um, Air France guy and thank you to the Uber guy. They were amazing. We got in the Uber. I'm, you know, he asks me what time is your your train at. I tell him. He's like, it's fine. We're gonna make it. Don't worry. So he's driving. He's going. I'm again I'm crying I'm shaking I'm so nervous and I can't I just I mean you know you know what I feel I was there earlier so I actually I had the time to go to the other train station it's just that I haven't checked the tickets I automatically assumed that I was going from the train station that was in my mind you know these are the kind of tricks that our brain plays on us but well I was a victim this time and um It took us, I think, around 20 minutes to get there. So I boarded, I did board the train five minutes before the start. I managed, they let me in. Um, I ran, I ran for my life, and I managed. I got on the train, and from there, everything was fine. I managed to get to the airport, take the flight, and I went into Warsaw. So In the end, everything worked out. But I think that was one of the most stressful journeys ever. And there were multiple times when I thought I was not getting back to Poland. And bear in mind, in the back of my head, there was kind of this idea that they were going to close the borders and I wasn't going to be able to get in. So this was the last day to get in which was not true, but you never know. And um, I have another transportation story. Um, I hope it's not going to be as long as this one. This one was quite long, but it, it's just, there were so many tales that I didn't know how to tell it Um, shorter. Uh, this one is about a cancelled flight. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Um, it's happened to um, my mother. Who was visiting me in England and she was coming back I lived in Winchester so that's quite far away from the airport it's a couple of hours drive she drove to the airport it was an evening flight and then she calls me saying Alex I'm not on the flight it's been cancelled um, apparently it's been overbooked and I, I can't I can't get on it and I was like that's fine did they you know did they tell you like if you're going to stay at a hotel or if they're going to give you the next flight and she says they didn't tell me anything. Now the thing today is that there is so many passengers and so many flights that I think passengers are really overlooked and there is very often a case where the customer service is just not as impeccable as it should be. And this was definitely this the situation. Uh, they didn't tell her anything, you know. It, at least my mom does speak English um, pretty well, and she can communicate. She can fight for herself. But imagine this was a person who you know cannot sort of stand up for themselves. It's just awful. Um, so basically, I told her, you know, you have to talk to them. They have to provide you with um, a hotel, they have to provide you with food, and they have to provide you with a flight for the next day so she went there. she um, actually stayed in a hotel nearby and she um, she managed to board a flight in the morning but as she told me for a couple of hours when they just weren't communicating with her um, it was a very very stressful experience when you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know if you're going to have to pay a couple of hundred euros or pounds for staying somewhere that you don't even want to stay and this actually this brings me a memory um, that was told to me by my dad, but that's from, I think, 20 years ago or something. So it's um, maybe not as relevant um, today. However, he told me when he was travelling uh, in his um, youth, well, actually it wasn't his youth, but when 20 years ago uh, when he was travelling, the policies were different and there was this thing where they have to return you the money um, that you spend while being uh, you know, at the airport and in the city if your flight was cancelled. So um, when his one of his flights was cancelled, he um, knew about this policy and he basically took a limo, that was in Zurich, he took a limo, okay, imagine this, you know how Switzerland is expensive, right? He took a limo to one of the most expensive hotels in Zurich, he spent a night there and then took a limo back to the airport and then charged the airline with them the money and they paid it right they paid it so to me the story today is extremely ex- insane but I'm mostly traveling with wizard and Reiner and they can't even pay for a suitcase when they break it so you know it's <laughs> maybe it's not as relatable but I still find it pretty funny and quite interesting as well so next I have an accommodation mishap that also happens quite a lot. Uh, I have a lot of stories about places that just weren't as expected but I'll save them for another time. This is a story of a cancelled accommodation and it goes back woo, quite a few years ago. Uh, it was my first trip to New York with my mum and we have we have been planning it for ages really it was something that we were um, dreaming of and that we pulled the money um, for you know we were really saving for it and um, we were researching a lot and finally we decided to go for two weeks to New York no it was three weeks actually three weeks in New York so a long time a lot of money the flights were a lot of money and the accommodation was meant to be a lot of money so as we were looking for a hotel or an apartment or something we uh, met this guy it was a Maltese guy I remember his name was Mario he was kind of he was a little bit of a family friend you know he had a son who was in school with my brother so he would come over for uh, maybe a dinner or some wine and one day he tells us that he's got this apartment in New York because actually he's half American or something. And us, well, we were kind of naive, you know, we didn't, knew, we didn't know anything about New York. And we said, wow, that's amazing. We've got an apartment in New York. We believe him 100%. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I've got an apartment. You know, it's, it's kind of empty now. So if you'd, if you'd like, um, I can rent it to you, you know. When you're staying in New York you can pay me some money it was kind of a good deal and you can stay there and we you know we thought this was amazing both me and my mom we kind of believe in you know things happening uh, for a reason and the universe and intuition and these things so we kind of thought this was just a strike of good so we took it you know obviously without signing a deal or a deal or a lease or anything of that sort it was a friendly agreement and he, he did everything, you know, like he sent us the photos and he sent us like the dates and stuff. It was relatively believable. He sent us the address as well. And as we're getting closer to our trip, we've got everything figured out. We have the flight, we have, you know, the things that we want to see, we've, um, we've got the money. And I think it was about Four or three days before our flight, that Mario sends us a message saying, "Sorry, the I can't um, rent you to the apartment anymore. Some bullshit reason I can't remember, but it was really like you can't really believe that. Oh, too bad, you know. Wish you a nice trip." And we were like, you have to understand, this was our first time going to America, going this far. It was costing us so much money and suddenly we're out of accommodation. Now, getting accommodation four days before is stressful, it's expensive, and it's just hard to manage. We were looking at hotels. It was insane. Um, We were calling our friends. Nobody knew anything. Finally, we managed to get an apartment from this. Well, I'm thinking about this guy. Again, this was quite a weird guy. I think the apartment was booked through Airbnb, though. So it was something a bit more mm, sort of organized by an external organization. So we were a bit more covered. The apartment was not bad, however, it was in Harlem, so I remember getting back at night was a bit stressful and we had paid more than we were expecting to pay, obviously booking four days before our trip, but we were still lucky to have found something and now um, whenever I'm booking with someone I'm always a bit paranoid, they're just going to cancel last minute and you're left without any accommodation, especially in a place that's so far away as New York. But, yeah, I mean, I still trust people, but this is maybe a story of why you shouldn't trust people um, in some cases. So I was actually expecting to um, tell you three more stories in this episode, but seeing that it's already nearly half an hour long, I will save those stories for later. I really hope um, that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I really did. I had a I had a good laugh. And again, I just want to repeat: this is um, in no way meant to scare you off or um, or make you think that um, traveling is dangerous or or something. It's just for the fun and sort of for the awareness and to counteract that um, a bit of complaining and negativity that came from this episode. Uh, The second episode that I'm releasing at the same time is called The Beauty of um, Solo Travelling, so it's um, just the bright side in a way and I highly encourage you to listen to the second one as well. I really want to thank you for listening to this episode, it was my first one, so uh, mistakes are expected and from now on it can only get better hopefully. Uh, Thanks again. And as I'm out of um, champagne, I will um, talk to you very, very soon and end this now. Bye.